This first episode in the series of podcasts is around looking at dealing with disciplinary and grievance cases, capability cases for a shop steward or workplace representative. Uh, it's particularly designed for Unite representatives, but could be applicable to any trade union representative in any workplace. Okay, I'm going to start off by um, suggesting that we break the dealing with casework down into about six different stages. Uh, and I'll run through what those stages are going to be. Uh, the first stage of a disciplinary case I'm going to talk about in initial uh, initial meeting with the member. That's when we first of all meet with our member for the first time. I'm then going to look at stage two, um, which is in between meeting the member uh, for the first time and actually starting to put a case together. So the kind of background elements of the work that needs to be done, but is extremely important. Part three, I'm going to start looking at how we put submissions on cases together, how we prepare those, whether they're in writing or just how we gather our thoughts together for for structuring a case. Uh, for the fourth area, I'm going to look at what we do in a pre-hearing meeting, that's meeting the member for a second uh, time or subsequent time uh, prior to the hearing in order to prepare them for that actual hearing. The fifth step I'm going to look at is the representation itself. So this will be how we actually operate as a representative within the environment of a disciplinary or grievance hearing. And finally, the last part, the sixth part, will be what we do post the hearing, so after the hearing, and what we need to actually be doing at that stage. So I hope that makes sense. We're going to break it up into six. I'm going to start off now with the very first part of the disciplinary case process uh, for a representative and I should say at the outset that casework like this is a key element of what a trade union representative will do um, and if we follow a structured strategic methodology to uh, to approach this particular element of our work then hopefully it should be more successful uh, in terms of how it turns out for the member at the end of the day. First thing I should say is that we are there to represent members, not just purely defend members. Uh, you don't defend in a sense because defence implies that you'll defend that person no matter what they've done or what they say and you're defending their actions and the things that they've done. But of course, for instance, if your member headbutts a supervisor, you're not defending the question of the fact that they've headbutted the supervisor. What you are actually perhaps doing is looking at the question of why that happened. You're looking at mitigating circumstances. You're looking at what's led to that. You're looking potentially at any issues that individual has in their home environment or in their work environment. So it could be things to do with their family life. It could be things to do with things they brought into work because of pressures elsewhere. It could be because of medical issues. It could be a long-standing issue within the workplace around bullying from that particular supervisor and this might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. The other 
aspect that we'd be looking at in a case like this would be things like have the have the employer handled the case correctly have they met appropriate deadlines have they done all they need to do in terms of issuing warnings and uh, handling the case properly have they for instance if they've called the person to a meeting did they give them the uh, right to be accompanied at that meeting as per the ACAS code of practice ACAS being the arbitration conciliation and advice service and if you uh, want to have a look at their codes of practice on discipline and grievance then I suggest you have a look on the ACAS website uh, which you can easily find um, online. Okay, so let's start this first part of the process, which is meeting the member. The first thing I would say is that when you are meeting the member, when you have that initial maybe phone call, or uh, even if you just bump into them in the workplace and they say to you, look, you know, I've got this issue going on, then there's a few things that you want to prepare before you actually sit down with the member. You need the member to bring with them, for instance, to that initial meeting, any correspondence that they've got regarding the issue itself from management, any other paperwork they feel might be pertinent to the case. If there are any things such as um, timesheets, diaries, or anything of that nature, which they uh, feel may come into play in this case, then they should bring that with them at the time as well. Uh, they should certainly be able to bring some information to you about any previous history of discipline or capability issues that they've had. Um, and very, very vital, they need to show evidence of membership of the union because we are there to represent members. So we need to know that this individual is actually still a fully paid up member of uh, the union. Uh, if this is a matter which relates to uh, illness or capability via illness, then copies of medical evidence, medication, diagnosis, prognosis, all those types of things would also be handy for them to bring. If you wanted to, I suppose what you could do is you could actually do some kind of a checklist for members that you could have and ask them to just tick off the things that apply to them and make sure they bring them to that first meeting. Um, if you're not sure about whether they are members or not, then obviously we're going to partly trust what they're saying to us, but we also need to check on that. We can check that through our membership systems. If you haven't got access, the branch secretary has access. If you can't get hold of your branch secretary, then uh, the suggestion would be to contact your regional, your district, your local office, of your night and they can advise that that member is a paid up uh, member. Uh, some of the ways that you might want to check membership though are just by looking at the membership cards and if they've got recent membership card, any direct debits from banks or a pay slip which shows, um, which shows a direct payment being made from the employer on their pay. So all of those things just to ensure they are actually in compliance as well. So um, at the outset of the interview, the rep needs to make the member feel at ease. Uh, that's a lot of that's done through the way in which you use body language, the language that you use and the fact that you've set time aside somewhere private uh, 
and quiet to have that discussion. For many of you in organised workplaces, there will be a distinct area, union room or access to interview rooms uh, where you can actually conduct such meetings. Um, For others, you might need to find somewhere private and quiet in order to conduct the meeting. I would suggest that you don't do especially um, issues which could be quite emotional, quite difficult to talk about, that you don't do those in busy public areas such as canteens or indeed off-site in cafes, that you try and find somewhere private and quiet. Your nice offices, um, if there is a nice office near you, may have an interview room for you to be able to use for a short period of time. Um, but realistically, if you need to do uh, a case a case, and you need to discuss things with someone around that case, the employer should really be uh, affording you some form of facilities to do that in private and confidential, in a private and confidential setting. So that's your first course of call. Any difficulties with any of this, you can obviously consult your senior union reps or indeed your officer with regard to these these issues. Uh, when you've actually, when you just sit in, sat in the scene, if you like, for the member, I would suggest there's just some very simple, some very simple tips. Things such as making sure that you've got a pad and pen handy, uh, that, uh, that they're handy so that you can take some notes. And one of the best pieces of advice probably when you're starting to interview a member and you're taking notes is to just go through with them what's going to happen in the little chat that you're going to have with them. And the fact that you are hoping to take notes, don't assume that they will know what you're doing. If you pick a pen up as they're starting to talk and start making notes, they will not know what's going on. They might think you're making notes that you're going to share with the employer. They might think you're you're just writing about something else completely. So just saying to them, look... Would you mind if I took some notes so that we can refer to them at the end of this chat Um, and try and use language like chat rather than interview uh, because it will make them feel calmer and more at ease. So I would say to them, would you mind if I just make some notes during the course of this chat and then maybe we can have a look over them later just so that I'm sure that I've got the right picture in my mind about what's happened and that you're confident that I know what I'm, uh, what I've, uh, my understanding is correct rather, of um, of this matter. Something like that is very non-threatening and also gives them control over the um, notes that you're actually taking. One of the things I would also say at the outset is it's really important for you as a member to be as honest and open with me as possible. There may be things that you may not want to tell the employer, you may not want to tell anyone right now, but if they're pertinent to this case, it's really important that you tell me. And if you don't want me to tell them to anyone else, then we can. Then that, that will be the case. I'm not going to just pass on everything you tell me to the employer. We will together work on what we, how we're going to present our case to the employer and what we're going to say to them in any subsequent meetings that we have with them. So please don't be worried about that. Also at this stage, again, to build the confidence within that relationship that you're now developing with that member. 
I feel it's very important that you say to them that everything that's said in that room is confidential. It's between you and the member. That you're not going to pass this on to anyone else in the workplace or outside the workplace. And the only time that you may need to talk to someone else, you will go to them first to seek their authority to do so, but you may need to talk to another union representative or an officer to get legal or more, um, more information or legal information around dealing with the case. Uh, that gives them the confidence that you know, they can actually open up to you and talk to you. That having been said, um, everyone has a perspective. And it's important, I think, to recognise this uh, when we're dealing with casework, that everyone has their own perspectives on events. So imagine you have two people who are maybe long-standing friends for many years and then fell out over a particular incident maybe a year ago. Imagine bringing those two friends into the room now and asking them both to share how they'd fallen out, what they thought was the crunch that made them fall out and what had led up to that and whose fault it was, who was to blame, etc. We get two different stories. We get two probably quite quite distinctly different stories, which would be a reflection of the truth through the perspective of those individuals. We all have our own perspectives on the truth. It's not that members will come to us and lie blatantly to us, although that might happen sometimes as well for other reasons, which I'm sure you're aware of and we'll go into to some extent. But it's that everyone will give a story from their own perspective. The perspective that they see it from, if they feel aggrieved, and most people who will be in these situations you'll be dealing with will feel aggrieved in some sense, they want to share that sense of aggrievement with you. They want to explain to you how it wasn't their fault. They'll also want to make themselves look good to you. And that's understandable as well because they want you to do a good job in representing them. So the last thing that they would want was for you to um, not not have faith in the story that they were telling you. So sometimes that will be not only embellished, but sometimes um, their actions will be downplayed and the negative actions of any other parties involved, particularly the protagonist, the supervisor or manager, or whoever it is that they've had the problem with, um, will be... Um, will be blown up to some extent. So taking that into account, we're going to still try and get as close to the facts as possible. And this is why I've suggested that we get a lot of paper evidence brought in uh, by the member at this stage as well. So all of those letters or, or notes of any kind of preliminary or investigative meetings that might have taken place so that we really do have as much factual evidence as we possibly can have that will be able to shape that interview and draw out those points from the member and focus in on the things which are important. One of the other things that you'll find a lot of the time when dealing with casework is that people will tell you their life story. They'll tell you things which are completely and utterly irrelevant to the matter in hand. Again, it's quite normal. It's quite normal human behaviour because people feel that certain things have happened 
that they feel might be pertinent to the issue at hand. You as a representative need to find a balance between being open and available and accessible and listening to that person and not being overwhelmed by the amount of information that they might be providing you with, presenting to you. So sometimes it will maybe be necessary to refocus the individual on the issue at hand, especially if you're somewhat limited in time. Um, If you maybe have half an hour to talk to the member, then you might need to focus it so that it keeps coming back to the issue that the employer is raising with them rather than other uh, external issues which are not necessarily relevant to this particular case at this point in time. The other very basic simple tips are things such as making sure your mobile phone and their mobile phone is turned on to silent or switched off uh, for the duration of the chat that you're having with them. Um, also, you know, if for some reason a phone maybe in the office does go off, say you're in a union room and the and the landline goes off, um, either if you can turn the turn the sound off, let it go to answer phone. Uh, if you do need to answer the phone, then my suggestion would be that you say to the individual on the other end, I'm sorry, I'll have to call you back later. I'm in the middle of a meeting right now. Um, and then apologise to the member. But above all else, do not say, uh, I'll call you back in five minutes or ten minutes. Because whatever you're saying along those lines, it's saying to the member, um, well, he's only he or she's only going to give me five minutes of their time and then I have to go. So it's, it's making them feel uneasy uh, around the amount of time that we're given. We have to really be as generous with our time as we possibly can be at this stage because this is about building bridges between yourself and the member and making them feel at ease as much as you possibly can. As much as you possibly can. You could also be talking to the member 